So good to see all of you this morning. Would you take your Bibles today and go to the book of Genesis, the first chapter? As you're doing that, let me say hello to our campuses that are joining with us today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministry. I know you've already met the campus pastor, whichever campus you're at this morning, and that you've already had a time of worship. Now, we're going to join together as one church together in different locations today, and we're going to go into the Word of God. So let's see what God has to say to us. We began a few weeks ago talking to you on this subject of GPS, navigating life. How many of you found out that life takes a little bit of navigation, right? And, and so we've, we've been looking at different aspects of that, and today I'm going to kind of get into some things today. In fact, here's my sermon title for today. Are you ready? Here's a sermon title. God created what? <laughs> Are you ready? All right. <laughs> get ready. The, the book of Genesis, uh, the, the first chapter, uh, if, if you would go there, the, the, the Word of God tells us in, in verse 26 and through verse 28 it says then God said let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air over the livestock over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground so God created man in his image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them and then God blessed them now watch what God does God blessed them and said to them be fruitful and increase in number now, there's only one way to be fruitful and increase in number. Well, we might as well get into it. Are you ready? We're going to talk about sex and sexuality. Now, here's the deal. All of you are nervous, and my wife is the most nervous about this sermon. All right? Here's what I want to say to you. We live in a world of dysfunction on so many levels but none with more brokenness and scars than in the area of sexuality. We struggle with it. It, it is a daily aspect of life. Now, here's, here's what I want to do today. I am coming to you today from a biblical perspective. I'm not coming to you from a world perspective. I'm not coming to you from a sociological perspective. I'm not coming to you from a scientific perspective today I am coming to you and I want to be very upfront about this I am coming to you from a biblical worldview and I'm going to talk to you what I believe that the Word of God says now at the end of my messages I usually give you some things that you need to put into your life to help you to move forward I'm going to kind of reverse that process there. I'm going to give you three things just to start with uh, to, to help you if you want to apply this message to your life. Number one is this, is that you have to accept God's Word. That's number one, all right? The number one thing you've got to do is accept God's Word. Number two is you've got to agree with God's Word. You've got to say, okay, I agree with what God says. Not what I want, not what I desire, but I agree with God's Word. And then thirdly, you've got to align with God's Word. You've got to bring your life into alignment with what God's Word says. Now, our world says this. Our world says if it feels good, it must be okay. But God's Word has some very specific things to say about this whole aspect of sexuality. And so as we begin to look at that, I, I want to give you some just quick bullet points real quickly uh, before we get into the meat of today's lesson. First of all is this, is that marriage is the first human covenantial relationship. God put 
Adam and Eve. We read it there in Genesis 1. God put Adam and Eve together, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. He brought them into a covenant relationship, and we talked about that last week when we talked about the family. Second thing is this, is that marriage is God's idea. Marriage is not man's idea. It's not the government's idea. It's not society's idea. It's God's idea. In the very beginning of time, God created male and female and brought them together. And thirdly, and this one will mess some of you up, sex is God's idea. God created male and female, and then he said to them, increase, be fruitful, and multiply. We, we, have, we have allowed the world to dictate to us and to tell us what sex should be, how sex should operate, how we ought to think about it, how we ought to feel about it, and yet God is the one who has told us how that this is to operate. Now, I promise you today, everybody relax, pastor will be at the worst PG-13. All right, so it's going to be all right because I can see a lot of nervousness, and I'm sure some of you watching feel the same way. Now, here's, here's what we've got to understand. God established sexual expression to be protected in the boundaries of marriage. Now, don't miss that. That's how God established it. The purpose of sexual expression are for pleasure, for bonding, for intimacy, for unity, for procreation, and companionship. That's why God created and brought together male and female was to, to provide an avenue for that. He, he, the Bible says that he created us in his image and in his likeness. And God knew that for us to keep life going and to keep, keep going forward and to replicate what he had designed for this earth, he had to add pleasure to that relationship. Now, again, when pastor starts talking about some things, it's interesting to watch the congregation. But the Word of God is clear. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever read the book of the Song of Solomon in the Bible? Don't spiritualize it. Don't say, well, this is God talking about Israel, blah, blah. No, it's not. Read the book. It'll make you blush. I mean, it gets real explicit. Some of you have never read it, and you're going home now. In fact, you're already pulling it up on your iPad, right? What are you saying, man? i got to read this. Right? But, but the, the whole aspect of sexual expression was given by God. And it's pleasing unto God as long as it is in the boundaries that God has given. Now, now I'm not going to go deep in this today. There are, there are a lot of great Christian books that are out there, and, and you can go to any bookstore and buy those. But, but what I want you to understand today is, is that the whole aspect of gender, the whole aspect of marriage, the whole aspect of life and sexuality has, has become the battleground in, in, in what we're facing in America today and around the world. The, the book of Mark, the sixth, uh, excuse me, the tenth chapter, uh, verse six uh, through verse nine says this, and I want you to see it. It says, "But God made them male and female from the beginning of creation." This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. And then it goes, and, so, and it says, since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Now, the, the Word of God lets us know that this is God's pattern. Now, here's what I want to tell you. 
If you follow God's pattern, you won't get lost. Amen? See, in the beginning of time, God created male and female and brought them together and said, this is what the family unit is to look like. But it wasn't very far. You don't have to read the Bible. The great thing about the Bible is, is that the Bible doesn't hide the truth. Is that the Bible just puts it all out there. It, it is within just a couple of generations before they get it all messed up. And they begin to have multiple wives. And they begin to do all kinds of things that are displeasing unto God. And, and, and Scripture talks about that it finally became so, so evil that God looked down at mankind and said, they are in such a mess, I'm going to have to destroy this entire world. And he said, I finally found one guy who's living righteously, and his name was Noah, and he wipes everybody else out because man had gotten so far away from the pattern that God had established. See, here's, here's what we've got to understand. Male and female and their unity together are God's creative order. If you want to keep the species alive, and I don't care what the species is, if you want to keep the species alive, you have got to have order in the species. And so God has done that. So the family unit is where God sets out human sexual order. Study the Scripture. Study the Word of God. He gives us to it. The book of Hebrews, the 13th chapter and the 4th verse. And yes, I'm using a lot of Scripture today because I want to root and ground everything in the Word of God. It says, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Now, that's pretty plain. I mean, I... I don't have to take five weeks to figure out what that means. I don't have to figure out what it means. Some of you remember a few years back. Well, what is it? Well, we all understand what it is. The Word of God's quite clear that any sexual expression outside of the bonds of marriage are counter to what the Word of God says. And yet we live in a world, we live in a society that honors every sexual expression except marriage. I mean, come on, think about it. Think, think about some of the, the whole societal things that we're up against. I mean... What in the world? Where, where is there anything in anybody's brain that says the Kardashians have anything to help you with? I mean, all that they are famous for is leaked sex tapes and, and all kind of stupidity. Come on, you, don't, act, don't, don't even play games with me today. I don't know anything. I don't know Get your head out of the box. We live, in a, we live in a world, we live in a nation that celebrates every form of sexuality except marriage. When you tell somebody that you are a virgin and you are still a virgin when you get married, they're going to make fun of you. 
because that's not accepted. The acceptable thing is let's just sleep with whoever we want to, whenever we want to. We all have urges. We all have feelings. So we might as well just do what we want to do. And I don't, don't want to get in your business too bad. Yeah, I do. That's a lie. God, I ask for forgiveness right now for that lie. I, I want you to understand today that we have got to somehow, some way, make a stand and say, here is God's best for humanity, and here is God's word for believers. Now, well, let me say this to you. I don't expect people who are not believers to agree with what I'm teaching today. But what utterly blows my mind it's when I find believers who argue with what I'm going to teach today. Because the Word of God is clear about this aspect. See, I want you to understand this. God is in favor of sexual relationships in marriage and only in marriage. Now, I want to give you a scripture on this, okay? Take your Bibles and go to the book of 1 Corinthians or whatever you've got it in. The, the book of 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, and I want you to see me reading it out of the Bible. All right? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, he makes a blanket statement there. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? And, and the, the answer to that, a rhetorical question or is asked, and the answer to that is, yes, we, we do understand that, Paul. Then he goes on, do not be deceived. Now, now he says, okay, don't you understand that those who are living this life that is not in alignment with the kingdom of God, that they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Then he says next, hey, don't be deceived. And then he begins to tell us how to look at this. He said, don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. All that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now, let me say some things to you. The Apostle Paul puts in there some interesting things. What the church has had a tendency to do is to pick and choose. And we make this sin greater than this sin. And we make this a worse lifestyle than this lifestyle. And yet the Apostle Paul, again, I'll put my glasses on so I can see it, but the Apostle Paul says, here's I want you to understand Neither the immoral nor idolaters, that means anybody that puts anything before God. Wow. Nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders. Boy, we can rally on that one. Christians do all the time. But he goes on. Nor thieves. That means if you take a screwdriver from work. Nor the greedy. Oh, help us, Jesus nor drunkards, 
nor slanderers. We ready to go? See, here's what's happened in the church. The church has determined a hierarchy of sins. We have said, well, if you just lie, that's bad, but it's okay. And I've even heard people say, well, was it a white lie? Or, yeah. I'm going, a lie is a lie, right? And, and, and so we get all these things. Now, this sermon is to talk to you about what God's best is in creation. And God lists adulterers. He talks about it. And simply adulterers are married people having sexual relations with somebody they're not married to. He lists the word fornicators, and the word fornicators just is, is in the aspect of unmarried people having sexual relations with other unmarried people. And then he lists homosexuals, which are people of the same sex having sex together. And he said all of these are wrong. He didn't say one was worse than the other. Wow. See, I'm probably going to upset everybody before the day's over. He, he, he didn't say, this sin can't be forgiven, but this one, well, it's okay because, you know, well, every once in a while, some of the leaders in the church do this one, but this one. No, not what he said. See, what, what we have to understand when we begin to look at this is that the Bible says this about this world. It says that Satan is the God of this world. All right? So get that. Don't, don't, don't try to wonder why bad things happen and all this stuff. Satan is the God of this world. And Satan goes forth to kill, to steal, destroy. All right? And Satan hates marriage. Because Satan knows if he can destroy marriage, however he does that, through divorce, uh, through whatever, if he can destroy marriage, then he's, he's won the war. And, and, and so there's all these voices out there that are telling us, well, all, all that you need is just a personal commitment. You know, what is a piece of paper anyway? Ever heard that? You just live with someone, you know, just... It, it doesn't matter, just what, whatever you want to do, you know, just, it, it's okay. Just, just, everybody's doing it, right? So number one is Satan hates marriage. The, the, the second aspect is, is that you have to understand is that sin is not free. It always takes its toll. It always exacts a price from you. There's an ad on television right now that is telling you that no matter who you are, you ought to take a test for AIDS. It's one of the national advertisements that's on right now. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. I don't need to take a test for AIDS. If you are true and loyal to the one God puts you with, If you've never had, <clears throat> excuse me, if you've never had sex, wow, it gets quiet. <laughs> Except with the one who God put you with, and they haven't, you don't have to worry about all the diseases. See, we, we're told, well, the reason God doesn't want you to do that is because He doesn't want you to have fun. No, God's trying to protect you. 
God knows that everybody that you have sex with is that you leave a little bit of yourself with them. That's why we have so much trouble once we get married when we've had numerous partners is because every time we go to bed now with that one who God has given us, we're bringing everybody else along in the train. And you know what? I'll, I'll be real clear about this. I believe that you can even transfer unclean spirits in this kind of relationship. So sin's not free. It exacts a price. The Word of God tells us that the book of Romans, I won't do it, we'll go quick with this. Romans 6, 3 says that we were baptized into Christ and that we were baptized into his death. And so what that means is, is that I have to deal with the spiritual, the emotional, and the physical aspects of anything that doesn't line up with what God's Word tells me. Well, Pastor, you've you got to understand, this, this relationship I'm in, it's, it's a lovely, it's wonderful, it's enjoyable. It, it's the greatest thing in my life. And I'm not trying to tell you it, and it's not. But what I'm trying to tell you is that if it doesn't line up with what God's Word says, it's sin. When we persist in sexual sin, we block ourselves from receiving the promises, the power, the position, and the purpose and the presence of God in our lives. Why? Because I have moved myself out of order with what God has told me. So we understand. I mean, it's, it's clear that the Word of God says that sexual relationships are to be in marriage. And somebody says, well, is, you know, is this sex? I think if you have to ask that question, you probably already answered it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a real good one we use for years for our teenagers. Are you ready? Don't let people touch anywhere where your bathing suit is. You'll stay out of a lot of trouble. Well, no, no, no. Just hear what I said. It'll, it'll take care of a lot of problems. Well, is this, is this? When we start asking those questions, what we're saying is, how close to hell can I get and not go? Can I, can I get this close? Can I get that close? So we know that's a sin. We know adultery is a sin. I mean, any, anybody that's ever experienced adultery, uh, either as the one who committed the adultery or the person who the adultery was committed against in that, in that marriage relationship, we know that's horrible. But what about homosexuality? I want everybody to hear what pastor's going to say. This has been one of the greatest struggles as a pastor to try to answer that question I think that I've ever had. Because I know that there are sincere people who love God who daily deal with homosexuality. Who they grew up feeling that they were different and they didn't fit and everybody else was dating boys and girls and, and, and their attraction was always to who everybody told them they shouldn't be attracted to. And so I want you to hear me carefully today. 
because I'm going to tell you what God's Word says does not mean that I don't have empathy for you. It does not mean that I am against you or that God is against you. Again, it just means we have to deal with what God's Word says. I've studied the Scripture for years. I've read books. I've tried every way in the world to reconcile myself to coming to the place where I could say, I approve of gay marriage. And yet, as I have studied the Scripture time and time again, there is nothing in Scripture to support homosexual marriage. There is not one instant of it. There is not one reference to it. There is nothing from the Word of God. And again, I'm not talking about our nation and our world. I'm talking about believers. There's nothing in the Scripture. Please know that if you struggle with this, if you have the propensity towards this, if you identify yourself as a gay person, I want you to know God loves you. And I want you to understand that the kingdom of God is about helping brokenness be restored. I had somebody ask me one time, said, do you think that homosexuals are going to heaven? I said, let me answer it that way. Do you think liars are going to heaven? They kind of looked at me. I said, the only people that go to heaven are those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And the Word of God says <clears throat> that when that happens, such were some of you. And I'm going, I'm going to mess up the world right now. Just because I still struggle does not mean I still am. Such were, positionally, such were some of you. But now you've been changed. Now you've been cleansed. Pastor, are you saying it's okay to live that lifestyle? Hear me, that's not what God says. God calls us from that. God calls us from adultery. God calls us from fornication. He calls us to live outside of those bonds. But if we sin, there's an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, whoever liveth to make intercession for us. When you study this whole gay marriage thing that we're facing in our world, I understand where our world is coming from. This may be the sermon that is the breaking point for some people for me. They may think I have gone off of the deep end. I understand how that our society is trying to reconcile people who love each other. I got it. But the Word of God stands against it. So if I'm going to be a Christian, I have to come to this place of saying, wait a minute, homosexual marriage is a contradiction in terms and it's contradictory to the Bible. And that's where I stand. People say, well, I found the perfect companion. I found the perfect mate. I found a life partner. All those things I understand in earthly relationships. I got it. But we got to go back and base our lives on the divine plan. What does God say? Now, what do I want, not what do I desire, but what does God say? 
all right? And so when, when we understand that, we, we begin to move forward into everything that God has for us. God wants you not to settle for secondary pleasure. God wants you to move into everything that he has for you. Here's what God said to us. Jesus speaking to us said this. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See, it's easy if I'm not dealing with this sin to justify this sin that I am dealing with. And so if I don't struggle with homosexuality, but I struggle with pornography. Statistical data tells us that over 60% of born-again Christian men struggle with pornography. Jesus said, I'm come to bring restoration. Hear me. Everyone sins and everyone is born a sinner. Here's what you need to know. Jesus came to forgive sin. How do I get that? How do I move to that place? Do I just continue in sin? No. The Apostle Paul said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he comes back and says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin continue no longer therein? So I've, I've died, but I'm still living. So I still struggle. I still go through all kinds of stuff. And so because I don't struggle with what the church has made this huge abomination. Well, you need to go back and read a lot of things the Bible says are abominations. Right. It even says wearing clothing of mixed, if you wear a cotton and a linen cloth, that, that, that's abomination. So be, be, don't, don't just cast stones. You, you remember when they showed up to cast stones and... Jesus was the only perfect one, and Jesus said, you which are without sin, you cast the first stone. Could it be that if the church would respond properly, that instead of making the homosexual world so hatred-filled toward us, that we really could let them know that we love them and we don't hate them, and there really could be some dialogue, and there could be some common ground, and maybe by the grace of God, we could see people set free and delivered and their lives be changed. Just a thought. To have what God has for us, we have to release our lives. Now, i close with this. Here's what I hear, in, in not just, but, but in any of this area of sexuality. Well, pastor, you got to understand, <clears throat> that's just the way I am. 
And so I've dealt with people who can't stay committed to their marriage relationships, and they just tell me, well, you just got to understand, that's just the way I am. Well, if, if you ask me to do that, if you ask me to live this way, then it's denying who I really am. The Word of God says to us, you ready? I'm almost done. We can, we can wrap this one up. The Word of God says that we are to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him. So, I will tell you that in certain aspects of our lives and our lifestyles, that yes, there are moments we have to deny ourselves. Because in that moment, I take up a cross and I place it on my shoulder and I say, God, it's not about me. And it's not about a feeling that I have or an emotion that I have. But God, it really is about giving my life to you. Let me close with this. We've got to get God's perspectives and refuse our desires. Lord, I'm willing today to allow the Holy Spirit to unravel all the junk in my past. I want to close with this. Everybody look at me for a second. Some of you have experienced horrific things sexually. Some of you were abused as children. Some of you have been in abusive relationships and marriages. Some of you have experienced things at the hands of adults and family members, etc., that are so horrendous that I don't even want to talk about them. But I want to tell you, number one is, abuse is never your fault. The second thing I want to tell you is this, is that some things that happen to us, and, and I want to be careful, but I have to be clear, and I have to have the heart of a pastor for a moment. If you take a sapling when it is small, and you bend that sapling in a direction, that sapling will grow bent. There are things that happen to us in childhood. There are things that happen to us in, in, in growing up, in, even in our teenage years, that bend us. There are some of us who sit here today and who are listening today, and we struggle with things that if we, we are so ashamed, we say, how can I even struggle with that? I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. How can I have that desire? And it goes way back. Taking longer than I normally do, but hear me. I have people who ask me, well, don't you think if somebody just gets forgiven, they'll never fight that again? Really? Really? Come on, are we that shallow? I mean, maybe you're not fighting whatever that one is, but are, are there not some things you're fighting? 
Are there not some sin issues you're still dealing with? And then we want to get high and mighty because somebody slips into some kind of sexual dysfunction? Could it be that God has called us to be a place of restoration, a place of healing, a place of helping people to walk out of those dysfunctions in their life? I'm going to say one more thing and I'm going to quit and and you're going to pray for me today because I know I need it. I do not believe that just because you get saved, if you struggle with homosexuality, that you will never struggle with it again. I do not believe that. Does God instantly deliver some people? Yes, he does, but that is few and far between. The same way that I have watched alcoholics who get saved, who struggle with alcohol the rest of their lives, and yet they love Jesus. And we want to to have these simple one, two, three answers into some things. And there are enough of us in this room today and enough of us watching me today that knows that if we just get real for a minute, and we've got some sexual dysfunction, and we've hidden it and nobody knows about it, and so we can feel high and mighty, and yet God says, wait a minute. You who are without sin, you cast the first stone. Here's what the Bible says. It says, Jesus came to put back together the brokenness. I'm done. Here it is. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I know what God's Word says. I know what the Bible says. But I also know we have to walk out this thing called salvation.